Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 278, and we're going to take a look at what is called the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, also known as FinCEN. So it's F-I-N and then capital C-E-N is what it is abbreviated as. So let's go ahead and take a look at this puppy here. So this agency, which is a federal uh, a federal government agency, it was formed April 25th, 1990. So I would say I'm not always a fan of agencies that were formed in the 90s because I kind of feel like sometimes they were formed by Republicans, other times Democrats. I kind of feel like we were living in I guess what is called the Reagan era and then after that um you had Democrats come into office and they did everything they could to dismantle everything that President Ronald Reagan put into place. I don't agree with everything that President Reagan did, for example, war on drugs, um that kind of thing because it it um unfortunately incarcerated a whole lot of people that should have never been incarcerated. Um instead, um they should have gotten the help that they needed uh with their drug problem. Um but unfortunately, um sometimes people are very extreme when it comes to their perception of drugs and they don't understand that when someone has a problem with drugs, it's it's um I know this is probably going to ruffle some feathers especially my conservative listeners, but when someone has an issue with drugs, that's not necessarily a character flaw they they need help is what they need they don't need a jail sentence they they need a professional healthcare provider to help them get off of those drugs stay off of them and understand that addictions should not be shaming and blaming especially drug addictions um so it's not always oh this person just has bad character they're they're just a bad seed here's the thing if you really believe that people especially with drug addictions have horrible character then why don't you pray for them why don't you pray that they be healed of that character flaw whatever the case may be and ask them to be healed But see, here's the thing: the the ultra Christians or the churchy people, as I call them, and if you know what I'm talking about, you know who these people are because of how they behave. The ultra Christians or the churchy people, they they very much love to entrap people in their sin or in their lifestyles, and so they want to make it seem like that things can never get better. Well, that's not Christ-like. I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just saying it like it is because I've read the Bible, I've read the Torah, I believe in the God of Abraham, so I know what I'm talking about here. If you really want what is best for somebody else, then you should pray for them. Unfortunately, with the war on drugs, people have had and have such a hatred towards illicit drug use that they overpunish people. I'm not saying that people should never go to jail and that they should never pay for their offenses. They should, but many of these war on drugs um basically the punishment in my opinion never really fit the crime unless it was like a drug lord or a um just someone that was really bad in the drug world because not everybody that's in the drug world actually uses drugs illegally so that's another common misperception of the the drug world. Oh, if you're in that world, then everybody must use it. Everybody must be an addict. That's not true. There are some people 
that make and sell drugs, like drug dealers and, you know, illicit manufacturers, many of them don't do the drugs that they actually sell. So it's truly about money. So here's the thing, the the war on drugs that really hurt more people than helped them. And I don't think it's right to lock people up for like smoking a joint and then just throw away the key because that's not the same as like a breaking and entering offense or um abusing a child or 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 beating a wife or something like that like you know smoking a joint in the privacy of your home is completely different than a violent offense there are differences there but unfortunately with the war on drugs mentality and sometimes here in Oklahoma in uh Bible Belt USA USA as I call it We still have a lot of people that think in terms of the whole war on drugs and they just get very upset about. It. I'm like, "Why are you upset? You're not the ones, you know, you're not the one using the drugs and you're not the one being targeted. So, why are you upset?" You know, it's kind of like people that are complaining about fentanyl and uh, opioids and things like that. Those drugs, I know this is going to really ruffle feathers on both sides of the aisle, but hear me out. Um fentanyl and opioids in and of themselves are not bad substances. They have a rhyme, they have a reason, they have a purpose. What's been going on is many of these illegal drugs that are making their way into the United States, usually across our southern border because it's pretty much wide open and not being protected at all. Um uh, that's because the Biden administration and pretty much any democrat that's in office is for an open border and then they go, "Oh, oh no, we have a drug problem." Well, it's, you know, if you open your border and you don't protect it, these are the problems that you're going to have because with an open border, you are allowing anything and anyone through <laughs> your your border. You're basically opening up um your border to be a, a very nice easy garden gate. And so that's not the purpose of having a country. But anyway, um fentanyl and opioids in of themselves are not bad. They're actually quite good. There's a rhyme and reason why they were invented and why they are manufactured. Um the bad ones are those that are laced with other things and this is coming from the extremely bad people that are manufacturing these drugs and substances on the street and they don't care who they hurt. that's the problem. So what I don't like about our government in regards to war on drugs which is still kind of happening now it's just transitioned over to opioids and fentanyl or whatever. You know, there's a clear difference between for example brand name and generic, right? So when you're looking at classes of drugs, you have brand name, you have generic and then you have street drugs. Street drugs, I mean, you are playing Russian roulette. big time because most of those drugs that are on the street they were manufactured in a non uh compliant facility and in a non compliant manner so illicit drugs are not the same as basically legalized manufactured for a reason drugs like basically FDA approved DEA approved all all that stuff Here's the thing. There are some medical conditions that the only pain relief um that some people, some patients can get, and it's usually when they're dying and they're in tremendous amount of pain, usually from cancer and things of that nature. 
Sometimes opioids and, and fentanyl and, and different drugs like that within those different classes, and maybe we should take a look at different uh, drug classes. Let me write that down, drug classes, because there are different classes of drugs for a reason. It's, it's depend upon what you're fighting, what you're dealing with, what you, what you have been diagnosed with, and also what the patient can tolerate and also what the patient needs. So, for example, if you have cancer and you're dying and morphine doesn't work, then your healthcare provider is basically responsible for helping you to find a better drug that can help ease your pain and your suffering. Because if they're not finding you a better option for your pain and suffering, especially when it is quite bad, then that healthcare provider can be written up, have their license pulled, and they can be sued for restricting medically necessary care for your condition. So what a lot of people tend to do, especially in D.C. in the swamp, of course, it's very corrupt, they tend to cherry pick these cases where it's like, oh, well, we have a lot of young people dying from opioid overdoses, so let's just ban opioids. No, you need to hold those people accountable for what they did. If someone is overdosing on something, that is, I know it's going to sound harsh, but that is their stupidity and that is their mistake. That is not the manufacturer's fault that someone accidentally or intentionally or stupidly overdosed or mixed their drugs together. That is not the manufacturer's fault. Also, these illicit drugs that are being manufactured and sold on the streets, you know, Regular pharmaceutical companies, they are not responsible for illicit drugs. They are not. Pharmaceutical companies are not the ones that are encouraging people to take all these drugs and then making subpar, uh, basically, uh, medications or something. You know, for those that don't know about drug manufacturing in general, here in the United States, we have very strict rules, laws, and regulations about the manufacturing of drugs. And so does the EU. Sometimes the EU is stricter than the United States, which is kind of surprising because they're socialists. But um, here's the thing. When you have a set of rules, laws, and regulations that dictate what you can and cannot do within a certain industry, The companies that are in that industry are not responsible for the illegal and unlawful behavior that's taking place on the streets. I've said this before in times past on my show that I'm completely against these lawsuits that are going after drug manufacturers for drug overdoses, for drugs that were not even prescribed by that company. Of course, it's not the company that prescribes the drugs, but What I'm saying is that there, there are many people, usually parents of these drug addict kids or whatever, these teeny boppers or these people in their 20s that they mix drugs and they party and they're just, they're basically drug addicts and they're party animals and they have a different lifestyle, extremely different. And basically they, they inadvertently accidentally kill themselves. And so the parents, um, in their grief, stupidly go after the drug manufacturer. And here's the thing, and not a single case of these drug overdose, uh, I don't want to say killings, but these uh, people that passed away from those situations. Not a single case has proved that it was a specific drug manufacturer's drug that killed that person. And here's the thing. The, the medical examiner or coroner, whichever word you want to use, they pump the stomach of these people when they die. 
because they want to know what was in their stomach, what was in their liver, what was in their kidneys, what had their body um processed, and also what was in their bloodstream. Here's the thing, every pill has a identifier on it. Whether you're taking a capsule or a tablet, there is a drug identifier. If you don't believe me, you can go to drugs.com or rx.com. I forget which website it is, but there's also an app. I love their app because it tells you what the drug can interfere with and also what the drug is supposed to look like. Cuz sometimes um whenever I get a refill on a prescription or something, if the if the pharmacy has ordered from a different manufacturer, but there's not enough room on the pill bottle to put the description of the drug, uh, basically of what the pill is supposed to look like, I don't take that I don't take my prescription until I identify okay what identifiers are actually supposed to be on this pill. And that could be anywhere from antibiotics to stomach medicine. I mean, you, you just always need to double check. So here's the thing, my point is this. There's not been a single case in these drug overdose cases with opioids or fentanyl or, or whatever the case may be. There's never been a case where where the medicine or the pills or the substance that was taken by the person that died could actually be directly linked back to the drug manufacturer why because first of all once you consume that drug your stomach breaks it down so unless you just took that drug that identifier has been broken down because the pill itself the medication has been broken down by the person's stomach acid that is in their stomach it's called digestion number 2 Many of the drugs that are sold in the streets, they're not going to have a drug manufacturer's identifier on it. What they might have is nothing at all on it, which is why sometimes drug dealers don't really know what all they're selling or what all is in their drug. Number 2, they might have a identifier that is based on how they made their how they made their drugs, which are illicit. So there is a clear distinction between these things. So I'm not against outlawing or banning any type of drug unless it for sure is killing every single patient because no two patients are exactly the same so you have to be careful regardless of what medications you're taking like for example you know if you're taking a stomach medication did you know that if you take too much of a stomach medicine like for ulcers or for GERD you can actually die of a heart attack so i mean anything in excess or anything that you combine with it that is not supposed to be taken with it can cause a problem. It doesn't have to be a street drug. It doesn't have to be illicit. So, this whole war on drugs kind of thing has been a problem since the 1980s. That's probably my biggest beef with the Ronald Reagan era. Everything else I'm cool with, but the war on drugs that really disappointed me because it did not help at all. it just incarcerate people that were not the problem it it incarcerate the users and the addicts it it very rarely incarcerate the supplier or the seller or the manufacturer and that's where the real problem is see if you don't go to the source and address it there then you're still going to have that problem so that that's what i'm saying there with that but let's go ahead and dive into this puppy here so this is the financial crimes enforcement network it was formed april 25th 
They are headquartered in Virginia, uh, Vienna, Virginia, excuse me. Their annual budget, which is excessive, this is stupid. Um, and that means every year, and this is as of 2018, they get about 114 million dollars per year. 114 million dollars. That's concerning. Their agency executive, their director is Ken Blanco. The parent agency is the Office of Terrorism and Financial Intelligence. Not a huge fan of that agency because I think sometimes it um, doesn't always do its job very well because we haven't always done a good job as a country at deterring terrorism. So that kind of doesn't make sense when you want to have a safe country if you if you're not doing your job and if you're not doing it well. So needs to say some things certainly need to change in terms of our intelligence and whatnot. That um, says here the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, also known as FinCEN. is a bureau of the United States Department of the Treasury, interesting, that collects and analyzes information about financial transactions in order to combat domestic and international money laundering. Yeah, right. Good luck with that. Terrorist financing. Good luck with that. And other financial crimes. What's interesting is that they are investigating financial crimes, but yet they're spending 114 million dollars a year. It shouldn't cost that much to analyze and collect information. Like this is such a slush fund. It is such a slush fund. It's ridiculous. It says here, Finson's director expressed its mission in November 2013 as to quote safeguard the financial system from illicit use, combat money laundering, and promote national security. Good luck with that. End quote. Uh, well, it didn't say good luck with that in the quote. Sorry, <laughs> I'm saying good luck with all that because that hasn't been happening. Um, probably because they know how to get money from the federal government. When I say they, I'm talking about this agency. Um, FinCEN serves as the U.S. Financial Intelligence Unit. Oh, that's probably a big problem, and is one of the 147 IFUs making up um, a group of financial intelligence units. Um, I find to be very hypo- hypocritical that they are part of a financial intelligence unit, but yet they're spending uh, a little over 114 million dollars a year. So that's very hypocritical, my personal opinion. Finson's self-described motto is "Follow the money." Wow, maybe they should they should take a piece of their own advice with that. <laughs> they definitely should. I could easily see how corruption would be a problem in this department. Um, its website states, "Quote: The primary motive of criminals is financial gain, and they leave financial trails as they try to launder the proceeds of crimes or attempt to spend their ill-gotten gains." Ill quote, or sorry, end quote. Um, it is a network bringing people and information together by coordinating information sharing with law enforcement agencies, regulators, and other partners in the financial industry. Yeah, but it shouldn't cost over 114 million dollars a year to do that. Um, I think again, it's it's just like the DOD. It's definitely a slush fund. Um, a little bit of history here. FinCEN was established by order of the Secretary of the Treasury on April 25, 1990. In May 1994, its mission was broadened to include regulatory responsibilities. Uh, yeah, they basically that 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 very much concerns me. I'll, I'll explain in a moment. And in October 1994, the Treasury Department's uh, precursor of FinCEN, the Office of Financial Enforcement, was merged with FinCEN on September 26, 2002, after Title III of the Patriot Act was passed. Treasury Order uh, 180-01 made it an official bureau in the Department of the Treasury. Now I'm seeing this. Okay, so they basically um, made this a an official bureau as a knee-jerk reaction to 9/11. And so you'd be surprised how many knee-jerk reactions have cost the American people, the American taxpayer, millions and billions of dollars. 
So basically, we are still being punished for what other people did to our country. That's where I get concerned with this and that's why I said, "Oh, in regards to its mission was to broaden regulatory responsibilities." Whenever you hear that phrase, broaden um or to include regulatory uh, responsibilities, that means they want more money. That's what that means. That's why they have such a huge budget and it is a annual budget. They never ask for less money. It's always more. Always. Since 1995, FinCEN employs the FinCEN Artificial Intelligence System, also known as FAIS. In September 2012, FinCEN's information technology called FinCEN Portal and a query system migrated with 11 years of data into FinCEN Query, a search engine similar to Google. Well, that's definitely a problem because Google is very corrupt. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. It says it is a one-stop shop. um accessible via the FinCEN portal allowing broad searches across more fields than before and returning more results. Uh since September 2012, FinCEN generates four new reports. Number 1, suspicious activity reports, which is the FinCEN SAR. Then you have the currency transaction report, which is FinCEN CTR. The designation of exempt person, the DOEEP is what they call that, and the registered money service business. also known as RMSB. I wonder if they're if they are um regulating or paying attention to all the money that's being uh sent to South America and all these corrupt countries by workers that live here either legally or illegally here, but they're sending a lot of their money via money orders like at Walmart. So, for example, there's one time, this was several years ago, I had to use customer service at Walmart for something. I think I was returning something. The line was huge. It was after five o'clock. I was like, "What's going on?" Like it wasn't Christmas time. It was just a normal day. It was just a normal day of the year. I was surrounded by people from Guatemala and Honduras and all these countries from like Central and South America. I was like, "What is going on?" Well, immediately when they get paid, they're not keeping their money here in the United States. They are money ordering it to their families. hopefully their families back in their homeland in their country. So these people that are using all these money orders to go to Central and South America, these are not real Americans. And what I mean by that is that they are not helping our economy, they are stealing our economy because they're taking their dollars from their paychecks and they're sending it to another country. So we are losing currency is basically what's happening. and that is a tremendous problem and you can't tell me that all these people are good workers and that they're not involved in drugs or they're not involved in in uh, illegal immigration or or things of that nature like there's so much scamming and um illegal activity in regards to money orders because it it is a type of money laundering from country to country so i don't know what all regulations go into that But if I were a regulator, if I was in Washington DC and I could take a look at that, I would because I've seen firsthand especially here in Oklahoma how many people from other countries it's it's very creepy how much money they send out of the United States. It's very weird. It's not normal. So usually what they do is they set up shop one way or another here in Oklahoma. or Texas, you know, not far from the border. And they may have an anchor baby or something like that, and that's not what children should be used for at all, but that's what they do. 
So they manipulate our immigration system and then they manipulate our financial sector, then they manipulate our banking system. You know, that's one way that inflation has become a tremendous issue off and on in the United States. Some of it is because of illegal immigrants. Hence the word illegal. The last thing I want are illegal immigrants coming into the United States and then manipulating our markets and that's what they're doing. It's like I've said times past, if you want to look for greed, Wall Street is the last place you should look because Wall Street is heavily and sometimes overregulated by the federal government. It's all these other areas that this stuff is going on. It's going on because it's not regulated and no one thinks to look there. All you have to do is go to a Walmart and you will definitely see areas of our economy and of our currency and of our country that need to be regulated because you see a lot of suspicious activity at different Walmarts and I'm not the only one that's noticed this. This has been a tremendous problem and I I've noticed that just saying it like it is, but it definitely is an issue and my mouth dropped when I saw all these um pretty sure they were Ill- illegal immigrants in line at this Walmart. and it was just all about money. It was all about money transfers, money orders. And that really shocked me. That really shocked me, but here's the thing. They will always find someone to take their money for a fee and ship it out. So, just be aware of that. In terms about the organization of FinCEN, it says as of November 2013, FinCEN employed approximately 340 people. Now think about that. Only 340 people are spending 115 million dollars a year. That is really sick. That is disturbing. Uh it says mostly intelligence professionals. Also oh, they these these professionals are so intelligent that they're spending 114 million dollars a year. What a scam. Goes on to say um mostly intelligence professionals with expertise in the financial industry. Oh, they love money. uh illicit finance wow they know how to work the system financial intelligence wow they really know how to work the system and then the AML CFT money laundering terrorist financing regulatory regime okay computer technology and enforcement think about all those different industries that these people come from no wonder there are not very many people that work for this agency but yet they spend almost 115 million dollars a year that's pretty crafty folks that's pretty crafty Um the majority of the staff are permanent FinCEN personnel so they're not going anywhere. <laughs> so they've got it good and they know it. Um with about 20 long-term detailees assigned from 13 different regulatory and law enforcement agencies, uh, FinCEN shares information with dozens of intelligence agencies probably not about what they're doing, including the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. That bureau has become a problem over the years unfortunately. Then we have the Drug Enforcement Administration also known as the DEA. Uh they're pretty much useless and weird. The Bureau, uh the Federal Bureau of Investigation, not always the best, but I do think we need the FBI. We just need different directors and we need to fire the bad people. But good luck with that because it's kind of a they act like it's a frat house. So the the odds of them firing each other are really slim. It's kind of like the military. Instead of firing bad people, they just promote them. So it sucks, but that's kind of what they do. Also, they share information with the US Secret Service. I don't mind that. The Internal Revenue Service. Wow, so they're getting the IRS involved on this. The Customs Service, I understand that because of money laundering with other countries. 
and the United States Postal Inspection Service. That I understand because sometimes people launder money and they mail it. <laughs> so, which is really stupid, not very bright. In terms of past directors, there was Brian, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Bra, Brew, B R U H. He was the director from 1990 to 1993. Then you have Stanley Morris who was the director from 1994 to 1998. Then you have James Sloan. He was the director from April 1999 to October 2003. Then you have William Fox. He was the director from December 2003 to February 2006. Then you have Robert, sorry, Robert Werner. He was the director from March 2006. Oh, not very long. March 2006 to December 2006. Then you have James, I think it's Freeser Fries Jr. He was the director from March 2007 to August 2012. Then you have Jennifer Calvary. She was the director from September 2012 to May 2006. Then you have Jamal El Hindi. Um, they were the acting director from June 2006 to November 2017. Then you have Kenneth Blanco. He was the director from November 2007 to April 2021. So I guess he's not the current one because we've got a couple others after this. So we have Michael, I think it's Mosier. Um, he was the director from April 2021. Wow, not very long to August 2021. Then you have I cannot pronounce this person's name. I think it's Hema Malui Das, whatever that name is. No idea. I can't even tell if it's male or female. Um, they are the acting director. They've been the acting director since August 2021. Um then we're going to talk a little bit about what is called the 314 program. So it says the 2001 USA Patriot Act required the Secretary of the Treasury to create a secure network for the transmission of information to enforce the relevant uh basically regulations, which just doesn't really make sense. FinCEN's regulations under section 314A enable federal law enforcement agencies through FinCEN to reach out to more than 45,000 points of contact at more than 27,000 financial institutions to locate accounts and transactions of persons that may be involved in terrorist financing and or money laundering. Here's where I have a problem with that. You need a warrant to do that. Unfortunately, with 2011, one of the knee-jerk reactions was to and also President Bush was part of this, the second Bush and also President Obama was part of this. Um They kind of helped to create a lawlessness within our government and especially within our court system, trying to make it so that you don't need a warrant, you don't have to go before a judge per se, um to investigate someone, to get their financial records and things like that, which is definitely an invasion of privacy. So basically what the 2001 United States Patriot Act did along with like TSA is it basically uh punished Americans for what other people did that were not even Americans were not even from here and they should have never been allowed into the United States these bad people from other countries or whatever so you know what really it reminds me of it reminds me of what that Edward Snowden guy revealed I'm not a fan of him he is a traitor um but he revealed that there were these secret courts that were set up within our government to uh hear and try cases against Americans that they had no idea they were being investigated. That is a tremendous problem. And unfortunately our government sometimes our government Republican and Democrats are guilty of this. They think that because there's crime out there 
that they should have permission to skirt the law, break the law, rewrite the law, so they can just do whatever they want. Well, that is exactly what the British monarchy did to the American colonists, which is what led to the American Revolutionary War. So you have this tyranny that's taking place, and tyranny is any kind of behavior that is unlawful against your citizens or your subjects. So I understand that there is unlawful things going on with financing and money laundering, but but you cannot use the excuse of oh there might be crime. You, you can't use that excuse to violate a citizen's liberty, their freedom, and their rights. That's where I have a beef with some of this. So a lot of these rules, laws, and regulations that came after 9/11, I'm not a fan of. Even though I am a Republican capitalist, many of these regulations and whatnot I do not agree with because it actually violates our privacy. It violates our information, our data. Like for example, the government can very much be hypocrite on this. Like the government will say, "Oh, look how bad Google is. Look how you know. Look how bad these big tech companies are." Well, the government uses these big tech, uh, big tech companies, excuse me, to spy on people. So it's kind of like, okay, you can't claim that these companies are bad and you're good when you're actually using these companies to do bad things against citizens, to violate the law. And then try and rewrite the law so you can use these companies uh, for your will and your bidding. I mean, how is that any different than the USSR and the communist regime under Stalin and under other communist uh, leaders and dictators within the Soviet Union that targeted people for decades, decades? So we, we need to have lawful policing, not unlawful policing. And within lawful policing is lawful investigating. You have to have a legal reason. What a lot of these courts and secret courts did is they gave regulators and law enforcement permission to do unlawful things without citizens even without even their knowledge of it happening. And I just think, how creepy is that that our government did that? I mean, that was a very Soviet move to make. So I find it to be very hypocritical. Excuse me, whenever. Whenever Democrats or Republicans, especially Democrats, are all anti-Russia, anti-Russia, and they they claim that um, Russia is just super bad, and I'm like, really? If Russia is super bad, if Russia, excuse me, is super bad, then how is what our government, how is what our government is doing and has been doing for a long time, how is that right or legal? Like unlawful investigate, unlawful investigating. Excuse me. Let, let me get a drink of water. Interesting topic. I don't want to mess it up. So hold on, just a second. So anyway, what some of these regulations remind me of when we're talking about unlawful policing, especially in the private sector and the financial realm, it reminds me of the KGB, which was the police force that was utilized in the Soviet Union to terrorize its citizens. So we need to be very careful that we are not doing anything that resembles the USSR. And unfortunately, our government, under the second uh, George W. Bush or George Bush, and under President Obama, we were very much acting like the Soviet Union. But it was hidden from the American public because if we had known about that, I guarantee you, we probably would have impeached a whole lot more people. So my personal opinion, but there it is. Um, Says here, a web interface allows the person or persons designated to register and transmit information to FinCEN. The partnership between the financial community and law enforcement allows 
uh, disparate bits of information to be identified, centralized, and rapidly evaluated. Good luck with that. The government hardly ever does anything that's rapid. <laughs> we'll accept to falsely accuse people of things they didn't do. Um, so no surprise there. It's very typical of bad cops. Um, okay, so we're going to go to what's called virtual currency. So in July 2011, FinCEN added... a uh, quote other value that substitutes for currency to its definition of money services businesses in preparation to adapt the respective rule to virtual currencies on March 18 2013 FinCEN issued a guidance regarding virtual currencies according to which exchangers and administrators but not users of convertible virtual currency are considered money transmitters and must comply with rules to prevent money laundering, terrorist financing and other forms of financial crime by record keeping, reporting and registering with FinCEN. So what's interesting is that the government requires all these people to be upfront and honest, but the government doesn't expect itself to be upfront and honest with the American public. That's the problem with our federal government. It's not the worst government, but we can definitely do a lot better. Um It says Jennifer Calvary, director of FinCEN said, uh, "Virtual currencies are subject to the same rules as other currencies. Basic money services uh, businesses rules apply here," is what she's saying on that. At a, at a November 2013 Senate hearing, Calvary stated, "It is in the best interest of virtual currency providers to comply with these regulations for a number of reasons. First is the idea of corporate responsibility." um contrasting bitcoin's understanding of a peer-to-peer system bypassing corporate financial institutions she stated that fincen collaborates with the federal financial institutions examination council whatever that is a congressionally chartered forum called the bank secrecy the bank secrecy act um advisory group and bsa working group to review and discuss new regulations and guidance with the fbi led <laughs> Why would you listen to the FBI on this? With the FBI led a virtual currency emerging threats working group, yeah, right. Formed in early 2012, the FDIC led cyber fraud working group. I would probably listen more to the FDIC than the FBI, my personal opinion. And then we have the terrorist financing and financial crimes led Treasury Cyber Working Group and with a community of other financial intelligence units according to the Department of Justice. Uh, VCET members represent the FBI, the Drug Enforcement Administration, multiple US attorneys offices and the Criminal Division's Asset Forfeiture and Money Laundering Section and Computer Crime and Intellectual Property Section. Um I would want to look at all those agencies and see how often they do an audit and see if they're using any of that money for themselves. Because whenever you're dealing with a lot of money, there can tend to be a lot of greed. That's just my personal opinion, but it is what it is. Um So there have been some controversies with this agency, not surprising. It says in 2009, uh, the GAO found opportunities to improve uh, interagency and state examination coordination, noting that the federal banking regulators issued an interagency examination manual that SEC, CFTC and, and their respective self-regulatory organizations developed Bank Secrecy Act examination modules and that FinCEN and IRS examining non-bank financial institutions issued an examination manual for money services businesses. So a lot of BS in that sentence, excuse my language, but basically we we are 
letting these agencies um, audit themselves, which is dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. Why would they be honest when they have access to so much money? It just makes no sense. No sense at all. Um, that would be like asking a pimp to not employ more sex workers. Good luck with that. What is the pimp's job? To employ more and more women to be sex workers. Good luck with that. Um, it goes on to say, therefore, multiple regulators examine compliance of the BSA across industries. Yeah, right. And for some larger holding companies, even within the same institution, regulators need to promote greater consistency. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Coordination and information sharing. Reduce unnecessary regulatory burden. And find concerns across industries. Really? Staying the obvious. Love it. Finson estimated that it would have data access agreements with 80% of state agencies that conduct BSA examinations after 2012. Good luck with that. Good luck. Um, it says, since Finson's inception in 1990, the Electronic Frontier Foundation in San Francisco has debated its benefits compared to its threat to privacy. Mm, not surprising. Finson does not disclose how many suspicious activity reports result in investigations, um, indictments, or convictions, and no studies exist to tally how many reports are filed on innocent people. <laughs> not surprising. I laugh because I'm like, duh. Like, this is what happens when you give um, bad people a lot of power. And you... Basically are employing a bunch of bureaucrats, which are professional paper pushers. Good luck getting them to do the right thing. Oh, my goodness. I didn't mean to laugh, but that was really funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Fencing and money laundering laws have been criticized for being expensive and relatively ineffective while violating Fourth Amendment rights. Ding, 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 ding. That would be true. Uh, as an investigator may use FinCEN's database to investigate people instead of crimes. Woo! That's where this is a problem. They should not be investigating people. They should be investigating crimes. That's, that's the thing. That's the key. It has also been alleged that FinCEN's regulations against structuring are enforced unfairly and arbitrarily. For example, it was reported in 2012 that small businesses selling at firearms markets have been targeted, I'm not surprised, while politically connected people like Elliot Spitzer were not prosecuted. Excuse me. Spitzer's reasons for structuring were described as innocent. <laughs> In February 2019, it was reported that Mary Daly, the oldest daughter of United States Attorney General William Barr, is to leave her position at the United States Deputy Attorney General's office for a FinCEN position. Interesting there. In September 2020, findings based on a set of 2,657 documents, including 200, sorry, 2,121 suspicious activity reports leaked from FinCEN, were published as the FinCEN files. The leaked documents showed that although both FinCEN and the banks that filed SARs knew about billions of dollars in dirty money moving through the banks, both did very little to prevent the transactions. <laughs> Not surprising. But just to be clear here, I don't know why um, I don't know why this would be a controversy about the Mary Daly. I don't know why this is included in this article. I kind of find that to be odd. Let me see why it mentions it here. And I don't have that last page. Sorry about that. But I don't I don't know why Mary Daly um, is mentioned here in this article. So um, scratch that. 
That doesn't need to be mentioned. I don't know her. I don't know why that's listed here at all. Um, people move from position to position, uh, different job titles within Washington. So that's nothing new. So I don't see how that's a controversy. I, I really don't know it. I don't care. Um, this is a department that should be done away with because I don't really think um, it's helping. I think it's just a slush fund. And then it makes you wonder, what do they, what do, they do with the funds that they confiscate? That's the thing. Um, if they're anything like some of the law enforcement here in Oklahoma, um, they confiscate people's property and money and they keep it for themselves. And our police forces, whether sheriffs or deputies or police officers, whatever the case may be, they've actually gotten in trouble. Oh, and the higher patrol. Um, they've actually gotten in trouble for just taking people's money and shaking them down and then shaking them down for property in like during a, a traffic stop or something like that and then claiming that they were – Um, that the citizen was suspicious and that, and that they had every right to take what they took. And then it takes a lawyer and a whole lot of money to get your property or your stuff back. And a lot of people don't have the money to fight um, these law enforcement different agencies because they basically have a slush fund of taxpayer dollars that they can use at their discretion to take people to court. And so those are taxpayer dollars that, that are being used to target citizens, which I'm not a fan of. I disagree with that completely. It is a problem, and it is very frustrating, and it very much disappoints me. So um, basically our highways here in Oklahoma, because we're right in the middle of the United States, so there are many truck drivers. There's a lot of people that travel, even if they're not truck drivers. We get a lot of people from out of state traveling through Oklahoma because of the major highways that we have here. Unfortunately, many of our highway, highways excuse me, have been known for kind of being like um, the wild, wild west because you never know when you're going to be held up, uh, literally, uh, by the police and they might uh, rob you, basically. Shake you down for your private property, but then claim that you broke the law, you were suspicious, and if you don't want to go to jail or if you don't want to be arrested, if you don't want to, uh, something on your record, then just give the police what they want. So that has been a, a problem in Oklahoma, I would say probably for the last couple of decades. And I think, I think it goes back even further, further than that. And I think the reason why it goes back further than that in terms of that particular problem is because of the war on drugs. Unfortunately, uh, police officers and law enforcement in general, they used and misused that war on drugs policies um, as a way to target citizens whether white, black, Mexican, doesn't matter. Um, they used it as a way and still use it as a way to pull people over and go, well, you know, we got a call that there's a car just like yours with a person who looks just like you that's carrying drugs. If it was me, I'd be like, show me the report. Show it to me. That's what I would do. And I'd be like, well, um, I don't believe you. And see, what you have to remember is that police officers, law enforcement in general, and I do not agree with this, Unfortunately, they were given permission by the Supreme Court of the United States to legally lie to people and to say, oh, we have evidence on you when they don't. Or we, we have a bolo on you, which is a be on the lookout notice. We have a bolo on you, so we have reason to suspect you and we have the right to um, look through your car, go, go through your stuff, um, you know, snoop around your house when they do not. They need to have a warrant. It needs to be signed by a judge, and it needs to be legit. If they don't have that, 
they cannot、um, pursue you in the manner that many of them do. So just be aware that just because a cop says, "Well,、um, we have reason to believe that you did blah blah blah," and it, I would be like, "What reason do you have?" If they say, "Well, we have a report," okay, show me the report. Is it on your phone? Is it on your laptop? Is it on a piece of paper? And if they say, "Oh, well, why don't you come back to uh, the uh, the police department? We'll show you." Be like, "No, you can just email me what you have, and we can talk about it later. Or you can just you know do us both a favor and send it directly to my attorney and have my attorney look at it." See, a lot of police officers they they will use the whole, "Well, you know, do you want to clear your name? If you do, that's great. Just come down to the police department. It won't take long at all. You're not a suspect. We don't we don't think anything bad of you." Bull. If they're trying to get you to go down to the police department or any kind of office building or whatever, they are taking you there for a reason. And don't ever ride with them. Take your own vehicle.、Um, that way, you can leave whenever you want. And here's the thing: the moment you request an attorney, you say, "Hey, I'm not talking to you. I need an attorney. I don't know what you're talking about. This makes me very uncomfortable."、Um, you know, police are not known for being honest, so. I, I want an attorney. I, I don't want any problems. The moment you request an attorney, the interview is immediately over because they cannot continue to interrogate you or ask you questions if you request an attorney. So FYI, be aware of that because it's, it's bureaus like this, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, that I guarantee you they have probably been given permission by by regulators to break the law. Whereas if you and I were to do the things that they're doing. You and I, I mean, we would have the, we would basically have the book thrown at us. Which, if you're not from the United States, that means that basically all the laws on the books would be thrown at you, and you would be thrown in jail. No mercy whatsoever. But a lot of these government agencies, they have rules, laws, and regulations written, so that way they are exempt from the law. And that is not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to seek and administer justice. And that means in the public sector and the private sector. That means for all citizens, and also for anyone that's here that's not a citizen and is breaking the law. The law applies to everybody equally, especially when defending the victim and holding the oppressor accountable. What sucks is that sometimes the oppressor,、um, sometimes they are these agencies, sometimes they are the workers that work for these agencies because they give themselves permission to lie. They often give themselves permission to be unethical. They often give themselves permission to do illegal and illicit things. That tends to be a pretty big issue, and I think it's getting really old. I'm very disappointed that the United States allows this stuff, especially the Supreme Court. I really don't understand. I'll close with this. I don't understand why the Supreme Court ever allowed the、um, the law enforcement、um, the Police forces and, and anyone that works in law enforcement, I don't understand why they gave them permission to lie in an investigation, because nothing good comes from dishonesty. So, I mean, you would think that the Supreme Court, since its goal is justice, that it would never tolerate or legalize injustice. That's where I have an issue with that. I think that if the people that the police are investigating have to be honest. Then the police have to be honest, and so does the prosecutor. But right now in our country, in the United States, we're having problems with many prosecutors, usually in Democrat states and blue states, 
they are being very dishonest and they are not holding really bad people accountable for the crimes that they are committing and if anything they are releasing really bad people onto the streets so that is a tremendous problem because i don't understand what the point of hiring someone to be a prosecutor is if they're not going to prosecute bad people i mean you you know, usually i've probably said this before but usually prosecutors usually they love throwing the book at people usually they love incarcerating people they love having that record oh i i won this many cases how many did you win like it it's competitive a lot of these prosecutors they're not prosecuting because they're doing the right thing they're prosecuting because they want that record they they want they want to look better than somebody else they want to look like they know it all and that, and that they're a be all and all that kind of stuff these days prosecutors in these blue states they're I don't get it. Like they don't even care to throw the book at people. Like they don't even care about their record, whether good, bad, or ugly. They care more about um, political policy in regards to um, inclusivism and breaking the law. A lot of these prosecutors think it's okay to break the law, and that very much concerns me because that goes against what they learned in law school. That goes against the bar exam. Well, it goes against the LSAT. it goes against um what they learned in law school it goes against the bar exam it it goes against their oath like you you have to be sworn in as an attorney like you basically you're not taking oath of office per se when you become an attorney unless you are like an attorney general or something like that then you are taking a oath of office of some sort but what i'm saying is that every attorney if they are practicing has the responsibility that if they are practicing law that they implement the law fairly and they are aware of what is legal and what is illegal so i think it's very odd that these prosecutors that are doing bad things in our country they're basically giving themselves permission to break the law and they're giving uh, other people permission to break the law and some of these people are really bad it's usually violent offenders some of them illegal immigrants some of them legal and that's becoming a big problem especially in sanctuary cities like in California that has been a growing problem for a long time um also there have been problems in New York i'm trying to remember the the prosecutor's name in New York was it the bronx or was it new york city i'm trying to remember which one it was um but the attorney there uh, the the prosecutor uh basically just gave extremely lenient um sentences to some of these really bad people that had murdered citizens on the streets. And it's like usually murder is seen as a very serious offense because it is a serious offense. I mean to take someone else's life unlawfully um is very concerning. And of course a lawful way of taking someone's life is if, you know, someone's breaking and entering into your home and you have to defend yourself. Basically the only way to lawfully kill someone is in self-defense. but that's not the case with what's going on with these court cases there there are rapists and murderers and very violent offenders that have blatantly um violated people harmed people hurt people and sometimes killed people they are either not getting sentenced at all via the prosecutor or they're getting very lenient sentences and the these offenders because they are violent offenders they are typically repeat offenders So unfortunately, people like these prosecutors that are not doing their job, these are the kind of people that are typically the bureaucrats within these federal agencies. So they're they're educated on the law, but they misuse it, they misinterpret it and they make it subjective to fit their agenda. Well, that is not the purpose of the law. The law 
whether federal or state or international law, is not subjective. It's not subjective at all. And the reason why it is not subjective is because once you make something subjective, you weaken it. And you make it so that it's not really enforceable. Well, what's the point of having laws on the books if you are not going to enforce them? See, because if you have laws in the books and you're not going to enforce them, then that means you don't value your citizens. And see, usually prosecutors, usually the, the common thinking is that when someone works as a prosecutor, usually they're not making as much money as like a private sector attorney. But they get really good benefits because they work for the government or the county or the state, whatever the case may be. Because they have a public sector job, they're taking a cut in pay, but they get really good benefits. But they're still supposed to do a really good job. It's not supposed to matter what kind of benefits or pay you get. When you have that kind of job to protect the public, you're supposed to take that seriously no matter what. And unfortunately, that's not happening. And I... I pray about this. I really do. Like I I pray for California, I pray for New York, I pray for these areas of the United States that are experiencing higher crime rates, especially murder, rape, robbery, um abuse, whatever the case may be. There there are some things that the these crime rates have just skyrocketed ever since Biden took office and um him and his goons started implementing some really strange policies that are just way too relaxed. on holding people accountable for what they do that is just unbelievably wrong and illegal and immoral and i just think that is really sad for any presidency and any presidency's uh, cabinet um to not care about the people that it, that it is supposed to protect and also the president and his cabinet are supposed to serve the people but unfortunately whenever you get liberal progressives into office they typically think that we the citizens are supposed to serve them That's not the purpose of a public servant. A public servant, hence in the name, they are supposed to serve the public, not the other way around. And unfortunately, that just hasn't been happening um lately. So I think a lot of people are very frustrated um with this current administration. I do think it will change to a Republican, whoever that Republican is. And you know, maybe in a different episode we'll talk about all the candidates for the Republican party. Some I am a fan of, some I am not. But um I think we need to acknowledge that we do need a change of leadership. And you know, unfortunately, I I feel sorry for Biden because he's not in his right mind. I think I've said this before. I don't think his lack of decision making is all of his fault because he literally doesn't have the brain capacity to make good decisions and I'm not saying he's stupid, he's not. Uh Biden is actually a very smart man and a very successful man. It's just that he's extremely old and he has had two brain aneurysms. And so I think that whenever you have two brain aneurysms, you're taking a huge risk of having mental incompetence. And I don't mean that negatively, but he is definitely being used as a puppet on a string by some really bad people in Washington, and I find that to be very sickening and very disgusting. Because I think to use and manipulate anyone is just horrible, especially someone that's not mentally capable of seeing what someone's motives really are. So President Biden is very much a, a vulnerable individual right now because of his mental state and his physical health which is not all that great unfortunately all the more reason why we need to vote for someone or we need someone in office that is um younger uh mentally stable um healthy and can handle the job 
Um, Biden, I'm not really sure what all he can handle. And I think it's really sad because when he was younger, I mean, I would have never voted for him anyway when I was younger because he's a Democrat. But it really disappoints me and it saddens me to see someone be used, whether they're Democrat or Republican. I just think it's wrong when someone is um, not in their right mind or, or they're not where they need to be health wise in order to do the job. I think that's been a problem with politics in Washington D.C. for a long time. Like for example, with uh, Mitch McConnell, he's a Republican um, politician. He's had a lot of problems. I don't think he should be in 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 any kind of leadership role. I've I've thought that for a while now because I was like, we need a we need a change of leadership. Then you have is it Diane? Is it Feinstein? Trying to think of a couple others, um, but. We kind of have this problem with people serving in office way too long, and unfortunately, with these congressmen and senators and House representatives, like these people that just keep getting reelected, um, especially when they are mentally incompetent and not really with it, I believe their families are using them for a paycheck and to have control in Washington because there's very much a phrase called the old guard. So it basically means people that have been there for a long time that don't want change will not tolerate change and hate change. Well, that would be these politicians that are super old that want to do everything their way, but they don't have the mental capacity or the mental function to do the job. But their families still want them there, so that way they can use and manipulate Washington D.C. So I think that is a problem on both sides of the aisle. I don't think it's just Republican. I know it's not just. Democrat, um, I think this needs to stop, which is why we definitely need term limits in every elected position within our United States government. Because I think that if you do not have term limits, you will basically get into the position that we are now, or, or into the situation that we're in now, where um, we have people that have been serving in office for a really long time. But they haven't always been doing their best because of their health and because of their decision-making skills have not been where it needs to be to lead this nation in a better and brighter direction. So again, I see this as a problem for both Democrats and Republicans, and it really saddens me because I think as a country we can do better. And you know, here's the thing: if someone has a health problem that interferes with the job. I think that they need to learn to step down and do something else with their life, and that's not an insult. It's just a fact. You know, you'll say, for example, you are a football player, and you played in the NFL for many seasons, but you got hit in the head over and over again, and tackling and things like that. And so now you don't really have the mental capacity to do certain jobs. Well, you don't stay in there doing these same jobs that you can't do anymore. You just switch over to something else that you can do and that you can excel at. That's what you do. It's just a change of life. It's a change of season. That's all.、Um, unfortunately, in Washington D.C. with politics, some people、um, they are there to stay until basically they、um, they die in their chair. I don't know. I don't get it.、Um, but I think we've had problems with people staying、um, for too long. Um, like for example, some of our Supreme Court justices. I understand it's a lifetime appointment, but I think some of them,、um, a few of them, have been too old to make proper、uh, or to have proper decision-making skills on court cases. And I think I think the American people deserve better. 
I think they deserve people that have the mental capacity to do a job and to do it well. That's my personal opinion because that's what I expect from my country and that's what I expect from any and every elected official or any and every appointed official. That is my personal opinion. But I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast. But as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole and that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye. Waves transform the earth.